Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody. It's Ben Jarofsky. It's bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. As I speak, it is Wednesday, July 24th. I think that's the the date, D. That's right. All right. But when you're listening to this, remember, any day in the universe it could be. And uh, I'm really happy that the guest I have in the studio is an old friend uh, who's been on my show many, many times, but it's the first time he's been on this particular show. So as I always do, I ask my guests to introduce uh, themselves and say a thing or two about themselves. So guest, introduce yourself. Your old friend. How old is he? <laughs> young. He's young uh, old friend. You know, Richard Steele. And uh, <clears throat> I've been in radio for about 50 years and probably 47 of them here in Chicago. I'm retired. But I um, I do some television. Channel 11, you know, when you beg for the money, pledge drives. I've been doing that for a long time. Although they haven't called me lately. Come on, people, Channel but people, 11. But, but they, people <laughs> see me because they do rerun stuff. You know? uh. And people say, I saw you last night. And I said, yeah, great. And I didn't get paid for that one. You know? uh. They have a very small residual situation. So, uh. so, so I've been doing that for 20, about 25 years. And um, today I do a lot of jazz stuff. I MC shows and I'm a major part of the Hyde Park Jazz Festival on the main stage. You know, they have like about 10 venues that people will take a, a bus and you can go around the different be- venues and see different jazz acts. But on the main stage, I've been the MC for the main stage performances for the whole 13 years. Uh, and as a matter of fact, it's the only festival that I can think of that Howard Reich has written about positively for the entire 13 years. I mean, always it's a good thing to say about it. I mean, that, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And I do a jazz show. A station that not a lot of people hear, admittedly, WHPK, which is the <laughs> which is which is the University of Chicago yeah. radio station, right? So I'm on every other Sunday between two and four. I have a two-hour show, and um, I play straight-ahead jazz, and I have a ball because yeah. I, I bring my stuff from home. You know, I was going to do the. They had a slot a couple of years ago, so somebody called me from over there and said, "Hey, would you like to come up here and do a jazz show?" And I said, uh, what's the pay? No, no pay, this is all volunteer. So I told my wife, I said, you know, they, they call me from over there and somebody called me and asked me if I do a show, but there's no money. And she said, well, these 3,000 jazz CDs you have spread everywhere <laughs> all over the house, are you yeah. gonna, when are you gonna play them? Yeah. Good point, yeah. you know? <laughs> right, I mean, so yeah, it made sense. So I said, okay, yeah, it makes sense. And I enjoy it, I really do. I have a, I have a ball doing it for two hours and uh, play what I want, bring in my own CDs and uh, knock them dead. Yeah, and you know? uh, Richard Steele, the real deal, Richard Steele. Uh, when, uh, when I always tell this story 
for years and years, the roles reversed, and he would be so gracious to invite me whatever show he had on to talk about politics. He's talking about uh, jazz here. He's leaving out the fact that, of course, he would talk about politics a lot, bring me on. I was one of his, very proud of this, last guests at his barbershop uh, show that he did at BEZ for years uh, with Monroe Anderson. The two of us drove down there together. It was great. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> you know, and uh, And so then when I had my radio show, uh, what's the name of that station, D? <laughs> I forgot the uh, name. Let's uh, just not talk about uh, it. Uh, WC, you are fired. Uh, I, uh, I used to have uh, Richard come on uh, about once a month, yeah. talk politics and what's going on in the news and stuff. We had a great time. We had a, a really good time talking politics and stuff. I have a whole list of things I want to uh, talk to you about. But oh, but wait, but, but first, about being fired. You said you want me to... Yeah, let's, uh, that's exactly... You so read in, my mind. In, in radio, they say, okay. as a radio professional, you have not really arrived until you've been fired at least once. Okay. Probably more than once. So were you ever fired? I was fired uh, uh, once or twice, but the real significant firing was... I used to work for Johnson Publishing Company, WJPC, mm-hmm. when Johnson had a, you know, had a radio station, yeah. right? This is Ebony Jet, right? So he's got this radio station. Uh, when he bought it, I had been working for the station. I started working for the station in 1970. He bought it in 73, I think. And so program director we had quit, took another job in 74. So I became program director from 74 to 78. I left in 78, but I was there for eight years. So the deal was, when uh, uh, when Johnson bought it, and then later on, uh, Mr. Johnson decided, uh, well, maybe we should get a, <laughs> maybe we should get a new program director, yeah. right? So, and he would audition. I mean, not audition, but he talked to these people, interview these people, and the way the the way the building is set up, when you get off the elevator, I think we're on the fourth floor. When when the elevator opens, the whole the station is right there, beautiful. I mean, you know, the glass windows and all of that, but. Whoever's coming off the elevator, when you're on the air, you see them coming off the elevator. And he would come off with these different people that were that were interviewing for my job. You know what I mean? He, Did you know they he, were? He'd have them in his office, yeah. and then he'd bring them downstairs to show them the radio station. Uh. So uh, a couple of people I knew, uh, Richard Pegee, was my good buddy from high school, was one of them. And then Tom Joyner. He came down with him a couple of times, and I said, "Oh, this is a big problem." You know, what I mean? <laughs> so, so yeah. it just so so how it happened was, uh, I knew this was going to happen, and I was trying to move my stuff out of the station slowly. Mm-hmm. And um, I went out of town one weekend, mm-hmm. and I came. I was doing mornings then, as a matter of fact. I came to the state, came back to work on a Monday morning, and the security guard said, "I can't let you upstairs." Uh-huh. I said, "Well, what's up?" Uh, can't let you upstairs. Here's a phone number to call later on after nine o'clock. <laughs> and I knew what time it was. Right? Wow, that's how you so, found so, out. So, 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 look. I came in after nine o'clock. I was suited up. I had my suit on. I was looking sharp, you know. And I came in, and uh, uh, the guy who was the new general manager, who d- we didn't like each other at all, he called me in the office. He said, "Well, okay, uh, you know, this is it. We're hiring uh, Tom Joyner and." Uh, Joyner was here, I think Joyner was at VON at that point, in the second group of people at VON. And he said, okay, so so we're going to you know, let you go, and um, we're going to give you a week's, two weeks vacation money. I said, no, 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 we're union. No, no. I was union back in 1970, and yeah. so was the station. Yeah. Station was union when Johnson bought it. He hated that, but it was union. So under the contract... I had severance. I had been there a long time, right? So 
guess what they told me? They said, well, no, you actually, you, you quit. <laughs> no, I didn't quit. <laughs> I, you, fired, you fired me. Yeah. I did not quit. Yeah. And so I was really, I was getting really angry and I was getting, I was about to raise hell. I was, you know, like I was puffing up, you know what yeah. I mean? So, uh, uh, the, 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 the guy who was general manager called Mr. Johnson. Yeah. Mr. Johnson came downstairs from his office. The Mr. Johnson. The Mr. Johnson. Uh, I mean, he knew me, you know, as yeah. a pro I was a program director, so we'd have meetings uh, uh, about every two weeks. So when he came down, he, they went in the office with uh, with this guy, and when he came out, he, he told him, get, you know, rather than go to the union and go through the whole thing about, you know, litigation and all that, they paid me my money. Wow. He, but, had, a, he had enough of it, he could afford to pay you a little bit yeah, of that. Yeah, but he hated unions, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I did what everybody else did who got fired That when this new group of people came in. You put your stuff in a little cart. You take it to the back elevator, and yeah. you're out. You you're know? out. But uh, yeah, so I got. Yeah, I well, came. now let me ask you this: When you got fired, uh, how did you? How did it affect you internally? You, you know what I'm saying? Did you go through a phase where uh, you doubted yourself, or what impact did it have? I was devastated. I really was devastated because I had been there for through uh, the first ownership, and then when Johnson bought it, um, I was still there. And I, you know, I was, I was a lot younger and I was really, I was, I felt really terrible. I really, I really felt bad. I went and had a few drinks, you know, and, and my wife said, are you okay? No, nah, I'm not okay. I, I, you know, I'm newly, I hadn't, I got married in 72 mm -hmm. and this was 78. Mm -hmm. So I think at that point. 1978. Wow. Yeah, 78. But mm -hmm. I was like, I was, I was devastated. I was really devastated and I wasn't sure what, what would be next because you know the history the reality about radio is guys move around a lot you you know you hook up your uh, trailer to your car and you go to another market uh, I had been to I had come to Chicago from Boston mm -hmm. and uh, before Boston I was in Roanoke Virginia my first job but th this is your radio jobs you you're radio actually jobs, born yeah. in Chicago yeah, my first, raised yeah. in Chicago but go ahead yeah uh, but uh, so uh I'm thinking to myself, oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna end up in one of those places that I don't want to be, <clears throat> and as it turns out, I've been incredibly fortunate. I can't remember what the next job was, but it was right here, and that was like uh, 42 years ago, you know. So I have been incredibly fortunate. But that firing thing, man, that was I was like, I can't, I'm I'm without a job. No, I had a good severance check though. I had really the union because I you know union. I was I was. Uh, I was AFTRA, which is now, now it's SAG-AFTRA because yeah. it combined with, uh, you know, the actors. And, uh, but I'm so grateful. I was, you know, because, man, you know, out, you're out. Well, the, 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 the you know, I, I, after I got fired, I had a conversation with so many people. Uh, and I would ask them, have you ever been fired? Just, just like I asked sure. you. And, uh, and they, they, invariably, people said, yeah, you know. And, and, and I quickly learned having conversation with people that there's different kinds of firings. There's the kind of firing where you're relieved because you didn't like the job sure. in the first place. Uh, there's real low profile jobs that nobody uh, knows about, or there's relatively high profile jobs where people associate you with, with the, the job, job you right. have, right. and suddenly everywhere you go, you have to explain to people, <laughs> you were fired, why were you fired? And that's what my experience was as the most difficult uh, part of the experience. Well, did this happen to you? Because what happens in radio, unlike 
maybe newspapers or, you know, the print journalists, when you're on the air doing something in radio, you don't get on again. To, like, you're just gone. <laughs> people say, people don't, what happened to so-and-so? <laughs> you know, you're just, you're just gone. You know? And that... That is, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's that, tough. Well, now, you're a program director, so you're not an on-the-air personality? I was both. I was a program director, and I was on the air. So you never got a chance to go to your audience and say... Uh, uh, no, but, but, but I understand that, because at a, in my first job in Roanoke, Virginia, we had a guy who, <laughs> we, were all brand, we were all brand new, right? Yeah. And uh, they let him know they were going to let him go. He was from, he was from Detroit. And boy, that last week he, on the air, he said some, he was, <laughs> it was, I understand why people do that. I mean, why people don't keep you after you, they're going to let you go because they're afraid you're going to say something on the air that's not really nice. And he, he was like that. Yeah. He said some things that were not too cool. So I just, I understand that, but, the, but, the, but that's beyond that reality. Nobody who's on the air ever says what happened to you. I mean, there's no, I know. there's nothing, <laughs> you're just like you know, a wisp of smoke, you're yeah. gone, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that is, uh, people ask, what, what happened to you? I don't hear you on the air anymore, you know what I mean? <laughs> and the station never says yeah. anything, yeah. Um, and it's just over, you know, move on to the next person. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Uh, you've been there. Well, I, with me, uh, the way it went down, you're absolutely correct. Uh, Feeder was, was the only way that yeah, people well, found out what happened to me, you know. Yeah. Was he around? Robert Feeder was yep, in seventy eight. Absolutely. absolutely, he was right. He he. Listen, he's been around a long time. Yeah, and uh, uh, I believe he was around at that point, or maybe shortly after that. But I think uh, I think he was around then. But the only way people would find out, but with my situation, uh, anything I did would be in the Chicago Defender, and mm. so. You know, even if they didn't know the reason why, they would at least say, well, Richard Steele is no longer at WJPC. Yeah. It would be in the Chicago Defender, that black newspaper, yeah. uh, you know, the Black one Voice that, of Chicago. Yeah, the know? Black Voice of Chicago, which is a ceased uh, a publication yeah, in terms online of print. Yeah, it's only online now. Uh, so but, I've had all the experiences that you're talking about. Yeah. I had that. Yeah. I think anybody, the, the, the dude who fired me said that in this business, you're hired to be fired. That's what he, he said to me when he called me in, which uh, is an interesting thing. They didn't tell me that when they hired me. Uh, but uh, uh, it, it was kind of uh, funny because the day after uh, I was uh, fired, my uh, daughters had this big party. Okay, and so I had to go to the. I was at the party. <laughs> By then, they, the way they the way they transmit news that you've been fired these in the radio is they call feeder and <laughs> they give a press statement to right, feeder. That's right, how they right. do it. First they tell you, and then they tell feeder. Sometimes it's reversed. I think, but whatever. Uh, you learn from reading feeder. That's really be bad, right? If that happened, uh, and so I was the. Everybody at the party, it was a big party. All my daughter's friends were like, hey, I heard you got fired. You okay? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I, I got to tell, tell you one more story about being fired before we move on. This was so bizarre. I was working at V103. When V103 got started, I was the initial, when they, when they went on the air, I was the morning guy. Mm -hmm. Because I had been here in Chicago and I was recognized by a lot of people. So they said, well, let's start at least with somebody that Chicago knows. And I was morning, I did mornings for about five years. It was a great experience. I got paid a nice sum of money and it was all great, right? Oh, so to get up, but whatever. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, you got to yeah. get up at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. But at some point down the line, I think I'd been, I'd done it four or five years and, and, and it was going pretty good. And then my ratings went down a little bit and they, they decided to hire a guy from California, from L.A., right? 
So the general manager and I were very, very good friends. And he told me what he said, you know, we're not going to renew the contract. And, you know, we're going to hire John Mons, a guy from L.A. And, I, you know, like I, he, he felt bad about it. But it was a decision. I said, it's cool. Uh, Barry Mayo. I said, not, not a problem. OK. So in the meantime, I had a very high profile at the radio station. Check this out now. The sales staff always sold me as the personality to come out and make the appearance, get the money, you know what I mean? And I was and I was real cool with the sales staff, right? So when I was supposed to be leaving the station, the general manager, my buddy, came to me and said, well, we're having a little trouble with John Mons in terms of whether he's going to come or not, so can you stay uh, another <laughs> three, three weeks or so? <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, he and I yeah. are really cool. And yeah. I said, not a problem, you know. All right, so I so I stayed, and then he came back and he said, "Okay, it's 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 going to happen at a couple of weeks down the line." In the meantime, when the when and he told me, "Don't tell the sales staff because they're still selling you, yeah. you know, out making appearances and all that." But we'll let them know whenever it goes down. So when it went down, they decided to have a party at the radio station for me in my departure, okay. <laughs> right? And so he came to me and he said, "They want to they want to put together." He said, "I don't know how you feel about this, but." They, they really like you. They really want to do this, you know. And I said, oh, damn, you know. I said, okay, I don't, I don't want to be a spoiled sport bad guy. I mean, yeah. they've been cool with me. I made a lot of money with them selling me, making appearances. Yeah. I said, okay. So they put together this party at the radio station in the conference room. The radio, the station, I mean, they got food catered. They had food and yeah. they had like a bunch of, it was like, they gave me little gifts and stuff. Yeah. So there was a young lady who had just been hired as a new salesperson, and nice lady. And uh, she came over to me and she said, you know, uh, I've heard your name over these years and, and all of that. And she said, uh, uh, I think this having this party is great. She hadn't gotten the word. She said, well, I don't know, but you know, whatever the partying or celebrating, uh, congratulations. <laughs> and congratulations. I said, I, I said yeah. I'm being fired. She said, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It, was, it was it was a moment it was a real moment you so know? you've been fired more than once yeah i have of course yeah uh, yeah let me ask you this uh wait a minute then they had an event at park west the radio station had a big event uh and i forgot what it was but it was a big music event yeah packed house at park west the general manager who was my buddy he really felt bad about this yeah so he asked me if i would come to the thing i said okay i'll be there so with all these people out front in park west he called me on stage and they gave me a uh, a, a memorial clock or something. It was a clock because my wife always says, "Who wants a damn clock?" Yeah. So they, you know, he said, "Well, thank you for being with us these years, and I know you're going to go on to something great." Blah blah blah. And after he said, he said to the audience, "Richard Steele is not going to be with us anymore." The audience went boo, <laughs> and I went yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've had some interesting experiences to say the least. I mean, I, it's been fun. All right. So, what advice? Would you give somebody to de deal with the trauma of being fired, particularly someone younger uh, than you or I, you know, someone who is just entering the work world maybe, or has been there, you know, not used to being fired. What advice would you give to them in terms of how to deal with it? Well, it, it's tough, but you have some options today based on, you know, an online presence, you know yeah. I mean? There, there are options. Uh, when I got fired, there weren't a lot of, either you were on the radio or you weren't. Mm -hmm. You know, now people have, you know, like, uh, uh, they have radio shows like, like your, your radio show right now, yeah. podcasts yeah. and all kinds of other things. But it's difficult to deal with. Um, what I would tell them is, uh, you know, to don't isolate. 
you know, uh, don't sit there and, you know, sort of wallow in pity. I mean, you know, get out there and do what you got to do. Because I got to tell you, in the music business in radio, when you're out, nobody returns your phone call. I mean, you know, I mean, like the people that that said, "Oh man, you're great. We love you, man. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, so. we're gonna bring <laughs> we're gonna bring Billy Preston by to see yeah. you, man. You know, uh, can you interview him and all that?" So you've had you've got all that history and some people that you think you're probably pretty tight with, right? Yeah, man. Listen, yeah. Try to call him up and say, yeah, "I'm kind of low right now, man. I need a couple of tickets to see so and so who's in town. You know, who's on your label?" Yeah. No phone call. No return phone call. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah, you have to mentally be ready to deal with that. But the bottom line is you need to get out there. You need to make a move. You cannot sit at home and, and, and apply right away. I mean, you know, start looking for a job immediately. Do not sit there and wallow in misery. Yeah. Start right away looking for a job. And that's not, I didn't, I, when I asked the question, I didn't mean just in uh, your literal industry radio. I meant just in general. Just in general, you yeah. know. Just you anybody can, who gets fired, uh has to deal with this. You know, and, and today, because people don't, you know, last long on jobs, these people, I mean, you know, this is not like 20 years ago where, you know, people don't, people, especially young people, they're very mobile and they don't stay at jobs very long, you know. Uh, some get fired, some move on. But you have to, mentally, you have to prepare yourself to move on to the next thing. There are other opportunities. And I would say to people, try to be, to, be, to get equipped to do, some, to do something else or... Or advance yourself in your field yeah. so that you can be ready to make that next move. Because there's always somebody waiting to take your place. Well, I'd, uh, that's great advice. And, uh, and, and and to that, I would just add, just never, try not to have too much of your identity linked to whatever it is that your job is, if you follow on up. Yeah, saying. yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, that part is true, that you're more than that job. Yeah, easier said than done. But the but, other reality is, though, when people, if you're, if you're known... Uh, and you're really, really well known. Uh, it makes it easier to. I didn't have to leave Chicago when I got fired in '78, and I've been here ever since because people knew who I was, and I was a known quantity. And so, in different settings, you know, I went from music radio uh, after 20, 25 years to talk radio, mm-hmm. and and at public radio doing WB. Well, that's the interesting thing. I and I, I used to tell you this all the time on the show, the old show when you'd come on, is that. Um, like people, Richard Steele, I knew you first as a, uh, a disc jockey, uh, a music guy. You came to the club. Yes, I came to the club. Yes. Uh, back in the old days when you and Richard Bucky had that set. Right. Uh, but that's how I knew you. And then I have a confession. I'm not a huge, please don't hold this against me after all these years. I'm not a big WBEZ listener. All okay. right. Just, just don't hold that against I, me. I think you've right? told me that before. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll, I'll buy into you that. You held it against okay. me. I'll, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. So, I mean, so you would have me on your show, which was really nice of you. Yeah. I think you were pretty much the only guy at BZ to have me on your show. And uh, I, to me, it was always. I was impressed that you made what I thought the transition, I've told you this before, between music and politics. Because I thought you was a music guy with Richard Pegee doing the sats, sure. and, you know, and then jazz. Then they let you do jazz at BEZ, yeah. which I was that really... That too. Yeah. And uh, so what I did, just... What never, did you do in Roanoke, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I was I was a disc, disc jockey at... Uh, W-T-O-Y. W-T-O-Y. <laughs> Toy Radio. Toy Radio. <laughs> right. This guy spins records. He's a real, yeah. he's a real, di- well, okay, Richard McGee was the map. Let's give the man credit. The man was a genius. Cor- Without question, yeah. Well, the, 
Richard McGee, in my opinion, Richard Steele, uh, had an ability more than any person I knew uh, in music that I know to hear the transition from one song to the next and know like song A would fit with song B. Oh, he was brilliant. He could do that. Yeah. He was he was absolutely brilliant. And by the way, Richard Piggy and I sang in a doo-wop group together. Uh, yes, yeah. they did. At <laughs> <laughs> Hearst High School yeah. back in the day, you know. Oh yeah. my God. So, uh, yeah. But you know, the tra- for me, the transition, the good thing about uh, as I look at it from in terms of my own career, when I made a transition into talk radio and, uh, and, and later played jazz and all of that, I did not have to reinvent myself. I was always interested, even when I was, when I was doing mornings at uh, V103, I always tried to insert a little bit of what's happening out there in, in my community. And I was always involved at some level, you know what I mean? I wasn't just locked into, I love the temptations and earth, wind and fire, but I wasn't just locked into that. Yeah. And I was all, like when I, when I started doing jazz on BEZ, some people would say to me, wow, when you start, when did you get an interest in jazz? That's yeah. all my life actually, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So these were not different, these weren't transitions for me. It's just more stuff that I like and more stuff I'm interested in. And, and it's, it's, it's great. I didn't have to reinvent myself to do uh, talk radio to do jazz to do interviews with people. I just love all of it. Yeah, you know, so. there's more to you than one thing. And, Absolutely. Uh, and so for people uh, who are young and thinking about their future careers and what they may do, that's that's another tip. You know, try to be as versatile as possible. If there's something that you really like and can become really great at, that's cool too. But also kind of expand beyond that. Expand your thinking. Yeah. Uh, and and. Your interests. Uh, my, I've always had a lot of interests. I like live theater, um, and Chicago's great for that. You know, um, I, I just like a lot of things, and so BEZ was a perfect fit for me. How did that happen? Well, the the story for that was that I was at WVON doing a talk show, and um, uh, the lady who was doing uh, she was doing a talk show in the evening uh, called Primetime. Mm-hmm. And she got pregnant. She was married. She got pregnant. And so she had to take some time off. So Ken Davis, who was the program director. Kenny D. Yeah. <laughs> he got in touch with me and he said, you know, look, uh, I think I'd filled in for somebody once or twice. And he said, look, um, you know, would you think about coming to work over here? And one of the advantages I had is I had a, I had a situation with Harold Washington where on, on VON, I used to have something called chat with the chief and he'd, he'd come in, he'd come in once a month <laughs> yeah. and you know, cause I was, I was doing an overnight show. I was yeah. off of like 11 to three in the morning or four in the morning, but once a month he would come in and sit chief. with me for an hour yeah. and we'd take phone calls and all of that. So uh, Ken Davis and the guys over there said, well, you think you can hook that up for over here? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I think I might be able to do that. So, so I did that. Uh, and that came along with the job. Unfortunately, uh, when I got over there, we just we just did one of those, and the next month was when Harold passed away. Mm, Eighty-seven, yeah, nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah. So you so. did, so, but they kept you. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't there just for that, but oh, okay. it helped the fact that you yeah, know I had that kind of connection. Get the chief over there. Did yeah. you call a chat with the chief at BZ? That that's, that's what. No, no, uh, that no. BZ. I wouldn't call no, no, no. it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little too urban. No, 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 no. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. You know. no, 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 no. Oh, the mayor's corner or something like that. Uh, all right, now. In the, in, when you come on the show, we do all the political deep dives. So let's do a little mini political deep dive of things that have happened uh, since the last time you and I have talked on the air. And, uh, well, look, the utter insanity of Donald John Trump, uh, Richard, is sometimes uh, hard for me to comprehend. 
particularly this, this, this recent madness, and this is me talking, feel free to put your own uh, uh, interpretation of it, attacking uh, the four congresswomen, clearly an attempt by Donald Trump uh, to win the presidency, win re-election by making a blatantly racist appeal. Sure, he's cre- creating an enemy because he has to have somebody yeah. to fight with. You know, I mean, but but what's even more amazing to me, Ben, is that here's what I here's what I have a hard time dealing with: the fact that there are so many people. I mean, when they, according to the polls, if you got eighty percent or more than eighty percent of Republicans. I don't mean just Trump people, but Republicans. Period. Who say they? You know, in interviews, they say, well, we think he's detestable, but we like what he's doing. He's given us judges and, you know, uh, there there's some jobs, um, jobs that don't pay very well, as a matter of fact. And people are still, you know, gotta have, you got to have two jobs to, to make a living. Mm-hmm. But what gets me is, you know, like with the general public, I don't, you know, I think the, I think the Democrats made a big mistake the last time around and not uh, making a determination that America is more than. Chicago, New York, Detroit, Philadelphia. You know, I mean, America's a lot of other places that Democrats need to be more concentrated about in terms of, you know, their outreach. But even with all of that, I cannot understand how people, no matter what he does, I don't know, that I can't think of it. He may be right. He could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue. And the other thing is about the Republicans in the Senate. Do you mean to tell me there's not except for the one or two who weren't going to run again. And John McCain, uh, rest, God rest his soul, didn't agree with all of his politics, but he was a guy who did stand up. You mean to tell me how those 50-something guys, no, there's not one of them? And these are not people who are, are poor guys who, God, if I lose this job, you know, it pays pretty good money. These are all, I think Obama was the last guy in the Senate that wasn't a millionaire. When he got there, mm. I mean, see, all these, these these guys are all well situated. They don't need the job. So they don't need the job. So is it is the lure of the job being a senator so much that you're willing to stand by the stuff that you just mentioned and some other stuff he's done, and just and it's okay to. I mean, how how can you sit there and just and not only that, you think about this means that these guys have no uh, no view of history of, of history uh, how they'll be viewed in history. Because down the line, when this is written about, um, they're going to be judged harshly. Mm-hmm. And they seem to have no concern about that. This is not a big thing to them. You know, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Uh, I, don't, I don't get it. I'm having a hard time. I, I keep saying somebody will step up. Somebody will say, you know what, this is just too much. Yeah. Somebody who is uh, actually going to run for re-election, but who says, to hell with that. I just can't take it anymore. Yeah. Nobody's doing that. I don't understand that. Do you understand why people are so uh, hesitant about stepping up, about saying anything, about, um, I, I just, don't, I don't get it. I, uh, yeah, there's, I think about this a lot, uh, Richard, the question you just asked. Um, and um, I, I, I don't have one uh, particular answer uh, for it at all. I, I agree with everything you just say. I have a hard time believing uh, that a Republican congressman or Republican senator uh, who takes a principled stand against the rhetoric that Trump is espousing would be defeated at the polls. Listen, um, when he made the comment about the four congresswomen, women, they didn't. Nobody. They didn't step up and say, "All right, this is like a bridge too far." You know. <laughs> um, 
Listen, I think going, you know, going all the way back to when, uh, you know, the, the comments on tape he made about women. Yeah. Um, and you would think, my thinking then was, and I think you and I talked about this on your old show, what I couldn't really understand is how Christian conservatives still supported yeah. him. I didn't, because Christian conservatives, and let me lump everybody into one category, but generally speaking, you know, stick with their principles yeah. and uh, are very, uh, very uh, resolute about, you know, well, there's some things that we just won't support. But with that, and as a matter of fact, Pence, who I have no love for, he was very upset about that, yeah. uh, from what I read. And he called Trump, and he's, you know, uh, uh, and, you know, <laughs> uh, he was seriously at that point thinking about about stepping away, yeah. you know, when that came up in terms of being uh, on the ticket. Yeah. Um, but he stayed. I don't believe he called Trump. I know what you're talking about. I remember when it happened, yeah. uh, 2016 in October. Uh, I, it's funny. It's, I have such a clear memory of it because I was at my friend's house. We were watching the World Series. The Cubs were in the World Series. And uh, there was a bunch of kids with us. Uh, they were, uh, I mean, they were either seniors in high school or just out of high school. And uh, some of them may be listening to this uh, this show right now because they uh, they listen to the show anyway. Uh, and this uh, this the, the story broke, and um, I didn't know how I was embarrassed. I think it's embarrassed to say this. I was embarrassed to tell these kids what Donald Trump had said. Okay, I I know that sounds weird. No, no, uh, I Richard, hear you. I, hear I didn't you. want to say. You just, yeah, he it was. It was the uh, the pussy grabbing yeah, thing. I mean, okay? you, might, you might say. I, I the, didn't want to. Oh, yeah. yeah. He you said might was, say. You might say it around the fellas. Yeah, you know what I mean? In a I know, but private like, setting. Yeah. But you don't want to. Yeah, I just. I was like, so I gotta go, guys. I'm just telling you right now. You just gotta go, Google Trump. Right, and, right. And and they're like googling Trump, like, oh my god, <laughs> and, they, and I'm like. <laughs> This man got elected. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and and ever since then, everything he does more outrageous than the next. It's you're right. It 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 solidifies his support. Um, I just feel as though people like to fight and they hate what the Democrats represent. And those and I hate to say it's probably race based, Richard. You yeah, know what I'm saying? I, I was trying to hope that it wasn't race based outside of his core group. Um, but then when you look at, if, if, you, if you're talking about uh, over 85% or 80, 85% support from Republicans, and this is in the larger picture, this is the Harris poll and all these other polls that are not, they're not talking just about the 40, 45% of his supporters. Mm -hmm. They're talking about Republicans, yeah. period. And you've heard, I'm sure in, in interviews that, uh, that uh, CS, uh, that MSNBC and some other networks have done when they talk to they go to these towns and they talk to people and uh, you've heard a number of people say, well, you know the guy is he's actually a detestable character, but you know he's doing the things I want I want for my family, you know even though a lot of those things are not really true, and I think it's going to come back to bite them in the butt in in, in a couple of years the tax the, like the tax the new tax plan. Well, a lot of people got in touch with that when they didn't get a tax refund <laughs> this year. They went, whoa, what happened with that? Did okay. you get a tax refund? I never get a tax refund. I never do. Because um, I do a lot of outside stuff, uh -huh. and, and they don't take taxes out. You know, right, so you're so, the other way. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, when people uh, people initially said, gee, you know, like I got $10 more on my paycheck, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. You sell your soul for that $10. Yeah, you went for that, right? Yeah. You know, so... 
Um, I, I still, it's hard for me to believe. It'll be interesting to see what happens in this next election mm-hmm. because, um, you know, you kind of want it's, it's a two sided coin. You want to say you don't want to see the economy tank, obviously. No. Um, but given what the that. situation is now, like the columns I sent you, you know, yeah. like. Uh, uh, the reality is Trump could win a second term. Well, now, okay, just so you know, uh, you sent me the, you're one of the many people I've been, uh, I, I haven't s- uh, specified you. I've talked about this a lot uh, on the show. Th- that column that you sent me by Nate Cohn in the New York Times, uh, that the, the analysis that said Trump could win again, get, probably will lose by greater margin this time than last time, uh, but could, has a commanding uh, presence with the Electoral College. Uh, I've been talking a lot about that in the show. I just had another gentleman on, David Ferris, was on the show today. And, um, you know, I don't think the, um, for what it's worth, uh, I, I don't think the numbers are showing that. Do you follow what I'm saying? I think that that kind of was an alarmist uh, viewpoint put out that fired up Democrats. Um, and got them very scared and concerned, which is fine that they get concerned, you know, and go be vigilant and face the fact that Trump could win re-election. But I, I don't think that was a completely accurate view of where we are now. I think the scary thing about the numbers is what, I mean, you know, the numbers the last time caught everybody asleep. Yeah. You know? Oh, by the way, that article was by uh, Thomas Friedman. Oh, yeah, it was the Friedman yeah. article you yeah. said. You yeah. want to send me the Friedman right, article. Right. The Friedman article was the Three one. Three-time Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, right. yeah. Thomas Friedman's article was a different one. Cohen was the one who did the analysis. I thought you sent me that one as well. Uh, so many people sent me that one. Cohen's the one who did the analysis, uh, straight-up numbers of polls. He, was, he did the aggregation of various polls to, to make a prediction uh, that Trump would win. There was just straight-up uh, uh, aggregation. Friedman is the columnist who said wherever he goes, People come up to him and they assume, how is it, this guy's going to win again, right? And then he was advocating the Democrats move more to the center. Exactly. To, uh, now, what's your thoughts He on said, that? Uh, to quote him, dear Democrats, yes. this is not complicated. Just nominate a decent, sane person, one committed to reunifying the country and creating more good jobs, a person who can gain the support of the independents, moderate yes. Republicans, blah, blah, blah. But he said this, um, please spare me the revolution. I can wait. Win the presidency, hold the House, and narrow the spread in the Senate, and a lot of good things can still be accomplished. I think he hit it right in the head. Yeah. You know, look, look, yeah. I mean, certainly health care, number one issue, got to have it. The environment, we're going out backwards in terms of the environment, and all of those things are important. Uh, I mean, in terms of uh, um, uh, what the four congresswomen, what the squad is talking yeah. about, I mean, all of that is cool, but the bottom line first is you need to win and get this guy out of the White House. That's the bottom line. You know, because when I looked at the first debate, and I was really disappointed in Biden. I know he's got the numbers at this point. And I said, well, you know, I can I can relate to him because I'm old too. <laughs> you know, it seems like he missed, he's missing a step, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, but, I'm, but I'm saying, if he stays out in front in the polls, uh, the people that, I mean, they got like 20, what, 26 candidates, uh, people who... 25, well, 26, the yeah, there's, I think there's 25 at the moment. But, but anyway. if, if the Democrats don't, at some point, when they determine whoever it's going to be, if they don't come together, it'll be a circular firing squad. Yeah. And they've got to determine that we must, this is the person that we must put in office. And if, and if it's Biden, because Biden has already said, uh, he one term, you know, he just, he, he wants to get this guy out of office. And I think that... Um, if you have somebody like if Biden stays out front 
And I, no, I don't think he's sharp on his game right now. But I think he can he can he can win, and uh, maybe uh, Kamala Harris or somebody else on the poll. I mean, on the on the ticket. Um, you know, to bring in the black, well, he's already, he's got a lot of black votes. Well, that's, that's the thing. But about, uh, Biden has a lot of black votes yeah. support because yeah. he was uh, Obama's, Obama's wingman. Right, exactly. And, uh, but, and he did terrible. Let's just call it for what well, he it was is. Awful. He was awful. He was awful. He, he was, was awful. He was really pretty bad. Yeah, he was uh, awful. So here's, here's the thing. Uh, there's another debate coming up next week. Right, I will be, right. I'll be obsessively watching and I know you will too. Uh, it, this is, I believe this is almost make or break for Biden. He's, he has oh, to I think come you're right. strong. Absolutely. I mean, and, and the scary part about that is, um, after you get past him and you never know uh, down the line, who's going to pop up and be the one, but after him, I just don't see, I mean, uh, uh like, you know, Bernie had a lot of support the last mm-hmm. time around cause he had you know, young people and people who were dissidents and all of that. Um, and his, his, his numbers have slowly gone down. Because of uh, talk about Bernie Sanders, yeah, Bernie Sanders, whose numbers went down because of uh, Elizabeth Warren. Oh yeah, Elizabeth was eating his support, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, so so, but I don't know whether people right, are ready uh, to vote for Elizabeth Warren to be president of the United States, right. and so she's the next one with the next biggest. Yeah. And I like what she has to say. She's I got a plan. Yeah, I got a plan for stuff, and all right. oh, that's cool. But I don't know at the end of the day because they're going to tag her as a socialist, and so I, you know. The reality is, Biden, if he does well, hopefully he will. I mean, and I don't, I, you know, I think he's missing a step, but I think, he, you know, at the end of the day, he's a safe bet if he has somebody on the ticket with him who people can relate right, to, balance me, the ticket out. Let me, let me, let me offer you a little uh, taste of what I'm drinking. Hold on. I'm going to drink this. Uh, that's, <laughs> this is the Kamala Harris Kool-Aid. Okay. Right? Now I just took a sip of the Kamala Harris Kool-Aid. Now let me tell you why I'm drinking from the Kamala Harris. I read an article, and I urge everybody to read it, you too. A profile of her, I just read it in the New Yorker not too long ago. Kind of knew all these things about her, but it put it all in a cohesive and coherent order, uh, chronological order, her life. And uh, it impressed upon, I was impressed with her in that first debate because she was so quick on her feet and she counterpunched. And I, I, you're a fight she's a prosecutor. She was a prosecutor. She was a prosecutor. Yeah. And, she's good at that. And she's good at that. Uh, and I read the story of her rise through the ranks in California politics. And she learned uh, from the master, a gentleman named Willie Brown, who for years, he was the mayor of, of uh, San Francisco. Best dressed politician Best. on the West Coast. Yes. <laughs> and she learned, by the way, she is exceedingly well-dressed, yeah. too. They he talk was, about he was that. a grassroots guy, though. Yeah, he was a grassroots guy. Yeah, now he... You're right. He's grassroots, and she isn't. She came from uh, her parents are both academics, right? Ac- academics, right? Uh, and uh, but she learned from him. Uh, for a while, they were lovers, and then they broke up. And she st- resents the fact. You watch the Republicans are going to play that against her. But my point is, they only, they they, they, they got to leave Willie Brown alone. <laughs> he's a, he's a tough guy. He's a boy, tough guy, you know. Willie Brown. He was for years. He's like the Michael Madigan of California. Yeah, he was. He, was, uh, he, was. He, he ran it. He ran. He it. ran the state yeah, assembly. But the point is. I was impressed by her understanding of politics and uh, her ability to, uh, to think quickly on her feet, uh, the diversity of her background, 
And I said, this person, this is someone who's going to be very difficult for Donald Trump just to walk over. She's just not going to. Oh, let that's not going to happen. Yeah. You know. she's, she's, but there's some things that she's going to get beat up on, though, if if she in, indeed intends, if she tends to be the one to be still around at the end of the day. Um, and I haven't read the whole thing, but there's been I heard some comments about um, there are people who say she should have been more aggressive about being negative about the three strikes and you're out. Oh, my goodness. Uh, law in L.A. Yeah. I well, mean, in California. Th- th- this article gets into that at great depth, great detail. And it reminds me of, of, a, of a character we really haven't talked about, uh, Richard, because uh, you haven't been on. The, we haven't talked together on the show in a while. That would be Lori Lightfoot. Many of the same things true. said about Lori Lightfoot that are is true. being said about Kamala Harris. She's a cop. And this is a conundrum for black prosecutors. Yeah. You know, a black prosecutor's job is to put people in jail. Sure. And you do your job well, people are going to jail. I mean, that's, this is what you do. <laughs> this is your job, right? I get it. I get yeah. it. You know, so, yeah. And, and you know what, Richard? You're my generation. So I, I, it's fun because I have a lot of younger people come on the show and they talk in terms of the Clinton crime bill right. of the 1990s uh, and the, the horrific uh, res- impact it had on so many uh, black lives and the, so many black communities. But the fact of the matter is most of the black Democrats in Congress voted, voted for, for that bill. Absolutely. I mean, that, and that's, that's been the response to that when, you know, Biden gets beat up about this. Well, you know, the reality is, I just think that he's got to have a better way of handling the responses. You can't just say, you can't just, you know, uh, stand back and say, well, I mean, to make the point that you just made is a good, is a good point, but you can't stand on that as the only thing to come back with. You have to be broader than that. I mean, you know, it's going to require more and it's, and it's going to require more of her when these things come up, if, she, if she's still around. But I, I, I agree with you. I think she's she's incredible. She's amazing. Kamala I Harris is incredible. That th- Those problems will be... Uh, but I don't think, she, I don't think she's going to be... I think she'll be on the ticket as, as a, a VP? As a VP. So you think Biden is going to escape this? I, if, if, if he escapes this, she, to me, would be the natural choice. Th- to be his VP. To be, to be his VP. Yeah. And as she's the, pointed out, when people asked her about that, she said, look, I'm not running to be VP. Yeah. I'm running to be the president. No, of she's the got that, that, yeah, 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 <laughs> that she's, little yeah, counterpunch. She's tough. She's tough. Yeah, she's really tough. You know, she's impressive. She's really impressive. No, she 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 impressed me in that way. Hold on, hold on Richard. I need a little more of the Kool-Aid. <laughs> mm. yeah. Kamala, Kamala, Kamala. Kamala right? Harris. But you know what? You're absolutely correct. I read the... Uh, uh, her ex- explanation. Look, look, Trump Jr. tried to beat her up with, she's not really black. Did you see that? Well, yeah, of course. Now, what do you think? I'll keep, I, well, she her, said she's dealt with that before. So she said, yeah. you know, like, uh, 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 nothing She doesn't new. call herself, listen to this one. Her father was uh, Jamaican. Jamaican. Her mother is Indian, right. as in the country Indian, right. India. And uh, so she doesn't, call herself african-american she tends to call herself black right right because african-american implies something a little more specific exactly that she views herself you know i I remember um there are a lot of people who had a problem with tiger woods when he was calling himself 
compilation. Come on, Tiger. <laughs> Come on, Tiger. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So uh, yeah. No. I, but, I, but I get that. I mean, with her, I understand that. And uh, uh, I just, I think she's, I think she's, I think she's tough. Well, she's, she's tough, tough, and we'll see. You know, it's so early, and I'm enjoying uh, these debates very much. Uh, and and I remember Obama in 2008 um, when he won Iowa. That changed absolutely everything. Everything. And the other thing that was a big feather in his cap was that speech in Philadelphia. Yeah. You know, and he wowed him and he went, whoa, who's yeah. that guy? Yeah. You know? Uh, but yeah, Iowa changed everything. So you just, I mean, it's, it's too early to really tell, but I just really believe that um, outside of Biden, I can't think of anybody at the top of the ticket who's going who's gonna to bring everybody together. I mean, who, you know, people, who people can say who disaffected voters, people who like the last time around, they said, well, I'm not really a Trump fan, but I don't, I hate Hillary, you know, so I'll kind of go there. Yeah. And a lot of those people now are trying to figure out, okay, what should I do next? Because, um, who do I vote for at this point? Uh, Trump was, is an awful person, but he did this, he did this, he did that. And so who else is on the ticket? Well, this is what what are my options? Uh, I have to believe, maybe I'm, I'm struggling with this one. Am I too naive, Richard? Uh, again, you and I have been lived through all these, these many years, these many changes in America, and I'd, I have a hard time believing that the American people would vote for a guy that they can see is a racist. Look, did you? <laughs> There's no dying, denying did, it. Did you read Steinberg's column that I sent to you? Yes, yes. It was a very. I read it when it first came out, and I have to get Neil Steinberg, the Chicago Sun Times. We're not that good we're not to that, begin we're with. Not that, yeah, we're yeah. not that good. To These begin. aren't who. This is not who we really are. Yes, it yeah, is who you, we right, really right, are. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Uh, when you consider, and you know, yeah. just to refresh, if people didn't read that, uh, Neil Steinberg wrote a, wrote a column, and he talked about yeah. how when uh, you know conser- uh, when uh, uh, liberals are saying. Well, you know, this, these are not this, we aren't these we aren't like that. You know, yeah. in terms of how kids are being treated at the border and immigrants and some of the things that uh, that Trump has done that people seem to to be okay with. And he was he was saying we are yeah. like that. And looking at the history of uh, of Jewish people, of African Americans, in terms of people coming to this country and being, you know, uh, mistreated, <laughs> mis- mistreated, yeah. and dogged out. Yeah, that look looks the reality. Yeah, I know. Look. look the the I just saw a piece the other day on uh, this is the one is it 100 years anniversary of uh, 1919 yeah 1919 yeah, the, race riot yeah, race riot mm-hmm. um, where a black kid drifted over to the yeah. wrong side of Lake yeah. Michigan you at 31st, and I 31st in, Street Beach you and I were both in third grade when that riot took place I, right? yeah right <laughs> you know but that was a terrible yeah. race riot that yeah. and and yeah. a lot of people got killed yeah. you know the larger percentage of people that got killed were black. Uh, but blacks and whites got killed, and uh, you know it w- went on for several days. But in terms of who we are, in terms of look, the reality about, and I'd like to point this out to Donald Trump, which nobody ever will. When you talk about people, and certainly nobody's op- nobody's for open borders. Nobody's ever said that. Mm-hmm. Nobody's certainly there have to be some constraints, and we understand that. That's a reality. But the reality about Americans, unless you're a Native American, yeah. your family came from somewhere else. Yeah. My family, my, on my mother's side, came from Barbados. As a matter of fact, under Trump, I wouldn't even be here. I probably wouldn't even be here. My, on my mother's side, they're all from the West Indies. You know what I mean? When in did Brooklyn. they come here? To, 
they you said they settled in Brooklyn. Did in you Brooklyn, say? a lot of West Indians in Brooklyn. Yeah. A lot of a lot, a lot of West Indians, Jamaicans, a lot of people. I my uh, um, my mother was born in nineteen nineteen nineteen. No, wait a minute, nineteen yeah nineteen nineteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, she passed away. She was ninety four, but. Um, uh, but she was born in this country, and my aunt, her sister, they were born here. But their parents, my grandparents, were born in Barbados. So they came to this country in the early 1900s or late 1800s. They came to, came to Brooklyn, you know. So uh, as did Trump's parents yeah. come from someplace else. Yeah. As did the guy in the Trump administration now, who was his, is it Nelson, is that his name? Yeah. Who's now, his <laughs> uncle came out and said, you know, this guy is awful. He's my nephew, but yeah. he's, he wants to create all these awful things to do uh, to bar immigrants. And uh, the uncle talked about their, their, their lineage and where they came from. And, you know, he said, this guy should be the last guy to take this position. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, listen, I, as soon as you, you reminded me of that Neil Steinberg piece, which is really effective yeah. piece. <laughs> I remember when I read it in the, in the actual newspaper. This is not who we really yeah, are. Yeah, it is who we really are. This is who we really are. I was just all about to say, I can't believe America. But, you know, if you see the movie um, uh, Black Klansman, which I don't know if you saw. Yeah, I saw it too. Uh, it's a really effective movie. And um, when you hear the rhetoric of David Duke, who's uh, the actual David Duke, uh, the head of the KKK. Big Trump supporter. Big Trump supporter. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you hear his words in that uh, movie, that Spike Lee movie, which I urge everybody to see if they haven't seen it already. It's so ugly. It's so hateful. And not just toward blacks, toward Jews. And uh, this is a Trump supporter. Sure. Sure. And Look, Trump really won't come out and no, he's not going to do that him. because he, cause he doesn't he doesn't want to hurt his base. His base wouldn't like that, so yeah. he's not going to he's not going to he's not going to say negative things uh, about this guy. Yeah, you know. Um, there was another piece. I don't know if I sent you the piece the other day about uh, there was a piece written about the the people at that last big Trump rally who were the few who were black who were in the audience with the Trump, with the caps on and all of that. And they, <laughs> it was a really interesting piece. I, I, I'll have to send it to you if you haven't seen it. But it was inter- an interesting piece about uh, the people who, who were black, who, and there weren't many of them, but they were in, they were, you know, uh, center back, they were, they were doing the chant too. Yeah. And, and, and the, writer, the writer of the piece was saying, don't you get it? The people that you were standing next to when they were saying center back, that also applied to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't you? How did you miss yeah. that? You know, this is this is also about you. So where would you peg Trump's support in the black community? Uh, as far as I can determine, and when I listen to uh, WVON in terms of the people who call in, I would say it's very very limited. I mean, I can't I can't I, I don't see that I don't see that being an an increase from when he ran uh, the first time around when he won. I don't I don't see anything. I think that um, I think that I think black women supported him uh, more than black men in the first election. No, 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 other way around. Was it the other way around? Uh, and first of all, uh, this is one of my favorite. Well, topics. black women now are—I mean, they're the ones that—that's a big voting block that that uh, the Trump administration can do nothing about to get. Yeah. at all. No, you know, yeah, uh, it's I I I, per, I 
That's a good Black call. turnout. Kamala Harris if, comes Yes. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Another drink of that Kool-Aid. <laughs> Another Kamala Harris. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really yeah. loving that Kamala yeah, Harris yeah. Kool-Aid, Richard. Saw her in the mix after the, after the debate. The debate you know, woke me up. Then I read the article and I saw where she comes from. And as I said, we have a debate on this show. A lot of people on this show that come on the show are very critical of the police and uh, very uh, critical of the policies of the Democrats in the 90s to lock so many people up. And the war on drugs is an absolute failure. I, I believe that too. Uh, and so Kamala Harris is going to have to address those issues. But that's to win the Democratic primary. Sure. Once you get in the race, the, the, the general election, I don't think those will be the big... Uh, issues, to, to, you know what I'm saying? But the it will be the issues that the Trump people are going to focus on. Well, they'll try to turn Democrats against her by saying, but who is Mr. Lock them up to say that she's <laughs> right. locking them up <laughs> right. too much? Right, 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 right. Uh, uh, you know. And yeah. um, so anyway, yeah, next time you're on the show, we'll see if you've consumed a little of that Kamala Harris. Uh, no, no, I mean, right, I, right. I think she's uh, right. <laughs> I, I'm with you on that, you know. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm with you on yeah. that. Uh, uh, just quickly, one other quick point. Let me ask you this question. This is a whole other discussion, but I'll just ask you just one question about that. What do you think about Reverend Jesse Jackson and Jesse Jackson Jr. stumping to get your former governor? Oh, my former governor, Rob Ogoyevich? <laughs> Uh Well, I... I Believe we talked about this uh, on the last show, but who knows for certain? Well, they weren't. I, they didn't. They okay. weren't in that posture at that I, point. Though. I, I am with that. It's. I don't know what is motivating the Jacksons to do what they're doing. So let's just put that to the side. Okay. Uh, other than to say, on the on on the issue itself, I'm with them 100. percent I believe 14 years was way too much for what he did. I am not a fan nor have ever been a fan of Rob Blagojevich. He has never been a fan of me. And uh, he, I don't think the man ever returned a phone call that I made to him going back to the days when he was a state representative in the 90s. That said, I think they, the punishment far exceeds the crime. I think they were punishing him uh, for sticking it, it, putting it in their face the way he did when he went around the country mocking them, the prosecutors and the judge. He didn't t- seem to take seriously the, the, the accusations against him. Remember, the first trial um, was a hung jury, right? There was one that right, was a holdout, exactly. so he got it. Uh, and then they tried him again. It took two bites of the apple to get him. So I, I'm with the Jacksons 100%. I, I feel as though enough's enough. He's been in for how many years now? Seven years, I want to say. He's been in for quite a while. I mean, yeah. it, it, you know. So what do you say to people like my son mm-hmm. who says, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, because I've made the same argument to him when I'm talking to him about Blagojevich, and I said, well, you know, that's that, 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 that amount of time is ridiculous. I mean, for, for his situation... And he should be out. He's well. My son says, "Who's a lawyer?" And he says, "What about all the black people that are locked up? You know, for crimes that uh, didn't require that kind of time, and will be in, are in now, and will be in forever." I, he said, "I don't have anything for him at all. I don't feel. <laughs> I mean, stay in there." Uh, okay, Del, okay. is your son a prosecutor? No, he's not a prosecutor. Okay, he's a defense attorney. He's defense attorney. He's talking well, he like does, that way. He really does a lot of real estate. He when he was doing criminal law, he did he did defense attorney. Here, here, here's my attitude. But he's he's approaching it strictly from from a racial standpoint. I understand that. And so what to, I would say to him, absolutely correct. And we, we just got finished talking about the war on drugs uh, and the policies and the practices. Some of them, which extend back to those Clinton votes, those Clinton bills sure. that Joe Biden supported, absolutely have locked up 
led to the incarceration of thousands and thousands of black people and destroyed lives and families and neighborhoods, Richard. And you know this as well as I do. You better than I do. So because that injustice exists does not lead me to say, oh, I don't care about that. You, you know what I'm saying? It's sort of like, well, it doesn't. Oh, okay. This Let's let this thing go on. No, for look, I agree. But my son and I disagree on that because yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. And uh, he said, nah. <laughs> I mean, so. I guess the issue is, do I feel sorry for Bukoyevich? No, you but I mean, I mean? But I, look, I mean, it's hard to feel sorry for him because here's a guy who, even after all this time, he's still you know, standing by his commitment to say that, you know, this was unfair and blah, blah, blah. Look, dude, you want to get out of jail. You, you know, your, your wife is talking to, to Trump, trying to, you know, kiss Trump's butt. I can, I can get that. She'd like to have her husband out. They got two daughters. You know, I, I, I see that. But he is so stupid that he still stands by what he said in the beginning. I don't, I don't, that I don't get. Yeah. I don't get No, Rob, he's, a, I, I, listen, like I said, he was never a fan of mine, and I was never a fan of his. Uh, and uh, he's his own worst enemy to a certain degree. Uh, but uh, it's, I think it's too much. And by the way, it's interesting that you mentioned Trump's role. If you recall, it was about a year ago, or maybe a little more than that, that Donald Trump was going around saying, I think Bogoyevich has been in jail for too long. And he was, they were playing that card where Trump was trying to say that Bogoyevich, like Trump, was the victim of overzealous prosecutors. Right, and that's what's, that's what, uh, Patty took the same thing when she was on The View. She took that same argument to say to the general public, you know, hey, you know, like, overzealous prosecutors yeah. is unfair. And she was appealing to Trump. Now, obviously, right. Trump... If, uh, Trump probably thinks he's beat going to beat the rap uh, on the investigation into his wheeling and dealing with the Russians because you never hear him talk about Bogoyevich anymore. No, you know? he doesn't. He, he really doesn't, doesn't worry about overselling. And the other thing is he's got he's 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 got to win this election because if he loses, he's going to end up going to jail. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't I don't care how many lawyers you have. Well, you know, yeah. uh, you know, uh, look. Uh, at least that's what I think. Uh, and um, I will say uh, our good friend, our mutual friend, Monroe Anderson, comes on the show every Wednesday. And he's pre pre predicting for weeks and months that Don Donald Trump uh, will not be the president. Uh, he will not be the president uh, throughout his term. He's uh, he's kind of quiet on that one, but he he's absolutely adamant that Donald Trump will not win. Will not win. We'll go to jail eventually. Oh, to jail. Yeah. Okay. Monroe's still sticking to that one. Uh, anyway, um, Richard Steele, we're come to the end of an hour here. We should, we should close up shop, but I have to ask you just um, uh, briefly, you mentioned uh, a good friend here, Chuck Barksdale, uh, yeah. passed from the right. Dells. And uh, just talk a little bit about the legacy and the history of uh, Barksdale and the Dells. 50 years. I mean, who who is five guys uh, and the one guy uh, who passed away a little earlier, Johnny Carter, uh, had been with the group the least amount of time. So when Chuck would introduce the group, because he was a spokesperson, bass singer, and he'd introduce everybody on stage, he'd say, well, and also uh, the last people, last person to join our group was uh, uh, Johnny Carter. He's been with us the least amount of time, 45 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but they were, they, were, they were amazing. They never got the kind of uh, fame that the Temptations got, but they were so incredible. I mean, they, uh, when they got... Uh, when they got uh, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think uh, uh, ZZ Top went in at the, same, at the same ceremony. But Chuck was an amazing guy, funny guy, had great stories. Um, I mean, he, you know, we, we always say to Chuck, Chuck, you should write the book. Uh, 
You know, they had a big record called Oh, What a Night. Yeah. And so oh, he, oh, what, what a, a night. night. He would say, Oh, what a nightmare <laughs> about, <laughs> about, the, about the business. Yeah. You know, um, but we would ask him about the book, Chuck. What about the book? He said, yeah. Man, listen, too many people are still living, you know, because, oh. <laughs> yeah. you know, they met a lot of gangsters and, you know, because the music business really was controlled by the mob back yeah. in the day, you know. Uh, mob guys had a lot of input. He told me some stories that were just absolutely incredible about Las Vegas when they played. They used to, they used to sing back up for Dinah Washington. And when she played Vegas, uh, that's when they really met some gangsters. You know what I mean? So his, he I was an amazing that. guy. The legacy of the Dells yeah. is that they're one of the Chicago groups um, that set a standard. I mean, because they, they, they sang jazz harmonies as well. For a lot of people didn't know that. They were, when they were on the road with Dinah Washington, he said they were at a festival. It might have been the Newport Festival. And uh, the High Lows or the Freshmen, must have been the High Lows, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, they did jazz. Yeah. You know? So they, they were between uh, sets and they were backstage. And, and uh, they, they did about three numbers before Dinah came on stage and then they backed her up. So the High Lows said, man, we heard you guys. Where'd you learn that harmony? And he said, well, in front of the barbershop in Harvey, Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> he said, but it was because the guys in the High Lows had said, well, we went to Juilliard, you know. <laughs> he said, yeah. yeah. So he was just—he was just a really funny guy who just—I uh, mean, he was a great uh, performer, and uh, you know, it's just, it was the, there were so many people there at the funeral. It was at the uh, Harold Washington Cultural Center, mm-hmm. Forty Seventh and King yeah. Drive. You know that Dorothy Tillman's daughter still. Yeah, was. the Dorothy Tillman uh, Pavilion. Yeah. Uh, Chuck was one of the one of the people who donated money to that when they were first building it. You mm-hmm. know? So, uh, and he was a Muslim. I didn't even. I mean, I knew he was a Muslim, but not a practicing Muslim. Farrakhan spoke. Farrakhan came and was the speaker, uh, and there were a lot of people there. Middle of the day, place yeah, was packed, packed. You know, so it was a great tribute, and uh, I viewed him as a really great friend. Good guy. Man, the guy, what a voice. Yeah, and Chuck. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, I hear those songs, and I would. Sh- just in my mind start imitating them and when i ever try to recreate it it just sounds awful but well that was the other thing about the yeah. dells you know the dells the way they the way their <laughs> harmony was constructed and the way they yeah. the songs they sang you couldn't actually you know like like with the temptations not knocking temptations is a great group mm-hmm. but you know like five guys in the hallway would always try to sing temptation songs yeah. or or smoky robinson and the miracle songs yeah, not so much with the Dells. Yeah, very difficult songs that they sang in terms of uh, the you know. The Did melody. you speak at the funeral? No, I didn't. I was I was supposed to be the MC, but Dorothy Tillman, because you know her daughter still still is the manager, and Dorothy Tillman was the one that got Farrakhan to come and speak and all of that. And so uh, I was down on the program as the speaker. I mean, as the as, as the, the MC. MC, yeah. So actually, it ended up being Dorothy's daughter. Ah, okay. <laughs> and well. they just bumped me off. They knocked me off. You know. Well, welcome to Chicago politics. Oh, absolutely. Sure. I just, you know? Look, I don't get offended. I know how it works. You yeah. Know? I mean, I get it. If you're here long enough, you'll understand how it works, and I know how it yeah. works. You know. So, uh, you know. That's Richard Steele. Man, it's been a pleasure, deal. Man. <laughs> And we had a blast. Uh, I'm so glad we reunited. And we'll now uh, reach out to you every month, get you back on a monthly basis, just like at the old place, whatever the name of it is. I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> I can't either. I can't remember the name of it. But you love this. How about this little room I got for me here? It's nice. It's nice. This is cool. Yeah, this is cool. This yeah. is really, this is... Got your, got your name on the wall, the Ben Jarofsky <laughs> Show, Reader, Chicago Sometimes. And you saw I got the piece, I got the newspaper piece yes, with the do. ad in there, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, you know. So we're all as well. Uh, we are surviving. Richard Steele and myself, we're still alive. We're still here. 
Thanks so much, Richard, for making the trek. I appreciate it a lot. Real pleasure. All right. That's Richard Steele. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody.